With us today is Dr. Sky, but his real name is Steve Cates, and he's a good friend, and uh, he has been studying the skies forever. And uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Sky, Steve, what the heck is going on in the skies this week? Well, John, we say good morning to your listeners, and of course, as we move into daylight saving time for a good part of the nation, here in Arizona, of course, we don't go on, nor does Hawaii and a few other places, I believe, in Indiana. But let's turn our attention to space right now. Here's an interesting story. The International Space Station had to move itself out of the way again so that it would avoid a collision. So what's the story on this? On March the 6th, the space station fired its thrusters on this attached rocket called the Progress 83 supply vessel. And it kept those rockets, John, burning for six minutes to move that giant space station away from an Argentinian satellite known as NUSAT-17. But what's so amazing, John, is that this particular ISS movement, we're hearing more and more because of the space junk and other satellites in low Earth orbit, it had to do that 32 times since 1999, which is quite an interesting story. So I thought this was interesting to just highlight that space, low Earth orbit, is becoming a crowded highway. What say you? Well, I mean, uh, we, we need a vast uh, garbage uh, collector up there. There's so many... Th- uh, satellites or so many pieces of stuff, you know, going around the Earth. Yes. At what point does it start hitting uh, the, the uh, good satellites? Well, this is true, John. And there's some th- some companies out there. I don't have their specific names here, but there's companies out there all over the world that are trying to do exactly what you're talking about. And their technological side of the whole thing is they're going to have these grappling arms that they can hopefully pull in these different spacecraft. I don't know what they're going to do with them. One theory is you propel them out toward the sun because then they'll burn up as they move away from the earth. But it is a very serious problem. And obviously it was depicted as, I know you and I have seen the movie many times, uh, their movie Gravity with George Clooney. I mean, that movie, if people haven't seen it, I won't be a, a spoiler on here. But John, wasn't that amazing? It shows what happens in space when space debris hits a space station like the ISS. That was just very well done, at least from the special effects side. Well, I remember that movie, and the Chinese, because they, by the way, that's because they paid for the movie, the Chinese astronauts came and rescued the American astronauts, which, which made them look good, which is, you know, Absolutely. Well, you, know, you pay for the movie, uh, the person who pays for the movie gets to right. decide what the ending is. They get their way when they pay for it, you bet. But space, as we know, John, it's just becoming more crowded But here's something interesting. We always talk with the audience and share with the audience, I should say, better, the mystery of the week. And how about this one? How can the world's oceans and lake waters be older than the sun? So astronomers are telling us that this is true because 70.8% of the the Earth is made up of water. That's 97% of the oceans that are water, too. And us as humans, we're made out of, what, 55 to 60% water. So where did all this water come from, and how can it be older than the sun? So the theory says this. There's this big ring of material that's left out there in space, and we know commonly in our solar system there's an asteroid belt and a big cometary belt. And many people believe that comets have seeded planets with the organic materials, even including water. But now they're detecting star systems, John, that have this big ring around them, and they're actually being able to detect water molecules. So here we go. These particular formed, you know, objects in space, the sun was formed four and a half billion years ago, and it's been burning for a long time. So now we can simply say that water in its molecular form 
is technically older than the Earth itself. And it's amazing how this magic happens, don't you think, and in this universe, how things were created. Dr. Sky, Steve, what's mind-boggling to me, all the drinking water that exists in the world yes. was the, the same drinking water that existed a billion years ago. None of it got destroyed. It's the same drinking, the same, and let's say it was a billion gallons. The same billion dollar gallon still exists. And it, it goes up into the sky, it's cleansed, and comes back down to the ground. The same water that existed a billion years ago exists today. It's not created. It's not destroyed. It's just cleansed uh, by our planet. And, and that's, that is mind-boggling. It sure is, John, and hopefully that explains some. I mean, there's much more research to do about this, but when people go look out there or sail on the ocean or drink water, now we can at least understand a story, which is actually true, according to the astronomers, that all this was created in these big molecular clouds before the actual star formation, and this is kind of interesting. And, John, as we wrap it up, we always try to share with the audience some of the things that they can see. And we know on the calendar, just a week away or so from the March vernal equinox, that happens on March 20th, 524 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. But what's so fascinating, John, if you look out of the sky, we just had this full worm moon. The moon's at last quarter on the 15th and still in the southwest. I know people are telling me they enjoy to hear this and see it even more so. It's the Venus and Jupiter conjunction, still a beautiful sight. And always go to WABCRadio.com for the Dr. Sky experience. We've got some great interviews up there with astronauts like Fred Hayes of Apollo 13 on that tragic and nearly tragic mission, I should say, and so many others from the world, celebrities and all kinds of interviews, John. And so happy to be here with you uh, on this particular show as we say good morning as we move into a, And this Sunday. is the weekend uh, we changed the clock. So right now, people are listening as they're hearing this. That happened earlier Sunday morning at 2 a.m. local time to transform yourselves to daylight saving time. And, John, maybe we ought to do a little show on the whole conundrum and problems in the, in the Congress. There's all this legislation about either making it full-time daylight saving time or getting rid of it altogether. And that subject is a very uh, touchy subject to many people out there, rightfully so. Now, we talk about impressive things. The big impression, the impressive thing that I, uh, I always thought was very impressive is from, mm -hmm. from up at 60,000 feet or 50,000 feet. You look at yes. the, where below the, the uh, below the uh, South America and you see where the Atlantic Ocean and Pacific Ocean meet. Yes. And it's two different colors, two different oceans, and they don't intertwine with each other. Why totally not? Amazing. Totally amazing. And if you take a look, let's say the Hudson River, like we talked about off air, meeting the Atlantic Ocean and other parts of the world, you can actually see this definitive line. I wish I had a really good scientific answer for that one, but it's more than likely the alkalinity of the water. You know, maybe there's a bigger and more heavy concentrations of all kinds of algae in the water and marine life. But that is interesting. And, you know, John, you can see that from satellite images. Uh, when people go on and look at these weather satellite images, exactly what you're saying, you can actually see it. Some are beautiful green areas of water. Some are bright blue. And that's amazing. But, John, the final thing I wanted to mention is the Space Force down in Florida. There's this interesting kind of hush-hush rocket launch that's supposed to take place, if it hasn't already. Allegedly, Space Force is going to be launching a hypersonic missile test. 
And many people out there, like Tyler Rogaway, you know, at thedrive.com, he's thinking, and he's pretty accurate on his stuff, that this is a United States Army long-range hypersonic missile that's launched on the back of, like, one of those big trailers, like ICBMs you see in Russia or North Korea. And hypersonic missiles, John, as you probably know, and many of the listeners out there, we keep hearing about that in the news, because what? The Russians apparently... China has them. Forget about Russia. They're not that smart. China has them. Absolutely. So it's becoming a problem, and America obviously has some talent, of course, great talent, and we're also trying to develop these type of devices. Sad to say we have to use them in war, but we certainly have to be on the cutting edge of technology. Steve Cates, Dr. Sky, we love you. Thank you for uh, uh, expanding our minds on a Sunday morning, and I'm going to have some more black coffee now. (laughs) Good morning, John, and good morning to everyone on this beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you. God bless.